You are mighty. You are Lord over all. We thank you that we have access to you, that we can come before your throne. That before you, that all, all things are stripped away. And we can be ourselves. We can just be yours. God, it feels like in this world we're pulled in so many different directions. This week, we've had so many things going on that we've been pulled every which way. But God, with you, with you we find our being. With you we find our purpose. With you we find our true identity. God, we thank you that you are not distant, that you hear our cries, cries for, for peace, cries for comfort. cries for grace and mercy. And God, you give us all those things. You answer us when we call out to you. And so God, we come before you today and we cry out to you and we not only say how great you are, how good you are, but God, we confess how much, how very much we need you. God, there's so much going on in the world. There's so much going on in our lives. God, we specifically lift up those who are struggling with relationships, finances, marriage, family, you name it, God. God, we pray that they, that they would be comforted, that they would be peace, that they would see you in the midst of their struggle. God, we lift up those who are hurting, those who are grieving. We specifically lift up the family of the eighth grader that died yesterday. God, we don't understand things but we know that you do. Sometimes it's hard for us to see you in the middle of grief, in the middle of mourning, but God, we know that you are right there. You weep, you cry. God, we pray that in all things, you might be glorified. And so, God, we lift up those who have received word of illness. We specifically lift up Elizabeth and Mike and Ryan Russman. God, we know. We know that your hand is at work in all these things. That all things work together for good for those who love you, God. For those who are called according to your purpose, God. We know that. 
Help us to believe. Help us to trust that you are good as you are. Remind us of how you have been faithful as you have been. God, may we trust you in all things. God, we just want to linger here with you. Calm our hearts. Calm our fears. Help us to build our lives on you and on nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. Man, Josh, Dustin, Joey, Kathy, you guys are amazing. Thank you guys so much for sharing your gifts with us. Were they not, was that not great today? Thank you guys so much for serving faithfully and, and every Sunday, man. Uh, leading us to this place. I want to do something before we jump in this morning. I just want to, I want to do this. Um, I, uh, this morning, Elizabeth Russman is watching us from her, her room uh, in the hospital. And I, I just, I, I want to say hi, Elizabeth. Um, we are here with you and we are for you and we love you. And I, and I just want to read Romans 5. Um, uh, just a couple verses here. Um, Romans 5, 1, uh, beginning in verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of glory, of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Elizabeth, I just want you to know that this morning. Um, we are praying for you and, and Ryan and Mike, and, and we are, are lifting you up. Um, uh, so glad that you can be here with us this morning. Thanks, guys, for allowing me to do that. Uh, good morning. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about fear. We've been talking about fear and how we overcome the enemy of faith. Now, just to give you guys a, sh a snapshot of where we've been so far, we said that everybody has fear. We all do. Everybody is afraid. We all experience anxiety. We all worry. We are all in times of crisis. We are all filled with stress. And the only difference is between us is what is the cause of that fear. What brought on the anxiety? What is it that we are worried about? And what is underneath those fears that are driving us to respond in those ways? See, everybody experiences fear. It doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, you will have moments that pop up. Situations will arise, a turn of events. Maybe it's at work or home or school. Maybe it's relational between a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a friend, a frenemy, or just an enemy. 
While everybody experiences fear, it manifests itself in different ways in each of our lives for each person. We said that storms will arise in our lives, and and how we respond to those storms says a lot about us. Those storms will test our faith and ultimately reveal who or what we are trusting in. Regardless of how we might feel about the situation, the truth is, is that we are not alone. God is here with us. We are not alone. He is near, and even more comforting is that he knows. He knows what's going through, what we're going through, and and he is not worried about that. He's not worried about that thing that has you and I in knots, has butterflies in our stomach. He's not worried about that. We may be all filled with stress and worry and anxiety about anything and everything, and he is completely at peace with the situation. While we might not know exactly what's going on in the present, what's coming down the road, or, or what, you know, how things are going to turn out for, in the future, he does. He does know that, and so we can trust that he has things under control and that he's working things out for our good. He's handling it. I mean, maybe some of you today just need to hear that. God's handling it. He's working on it. He's working some things out, and it's going to be for your benefit. It's going to be for your good. God's working on it, and sometimes we should probably just let go and give the man some space. He he wants us to have faith that he wants what's best for you and me. See, fear causes us to forget time and time again. Fear causes us to forget that our God delivers. He's faithful and he's good, and fear robs us of that blessing of today. We miss all the things that God is doing around us and through us and in us right in this very moment because we are filled. We are so filled with turmoil. And so we must choose to respond in all circumstances with faith instead of fear. It's so hard to do that, isn't it? When we don't understand why things happened the way they did, when we don't know what awaits us down the road, what kind of trouble is going to come up? But God has given us his presence. Because he is right by my side, I can face anything. Because he is with you, you are infinitely stronger. Because he is in us, we will overcome. We're more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so he calls us to peace. He wants to give us his peace. He wants us to trust in his goodness, and he wants us to rest. I mean, mean, our minds might be racing, our hearts might be racing, but just as Jesus calmed the storm, he says to us, peace, be still. Last week, we talked about the fear of the unknown. Today, we are talking about the fear of being known. I think there's a lot of things that we're afraid of, but underneath them, there is is a lot of things that that, that we we might go through, but underneath them is this fear of being known a lot of times. See, maybe you would say, I'm afraid of failure. What if I don't succeed? Well... Nobody's perfect. Everybody will mess up. Everybody will screw up. Everybody will, will, things won't go well for them in some form or fashion. And we can't possibly succeed at everything. I mean, hopefully, this is not brand new information for you. But unless you are Jesus Christ, you will fail. 
So what is it that makes us afraid of failure? More than likely, it's not the fear of not succeeding. It's the fear of others knowing that we didn't succeed. We don't mind failing as long as nobody finds out. Sure, nobody likes losing, nobody likes making mistakes, nobody likes to fail, but we certainly don't want word to get out. We don't want others to hear about it. We definitely don't want it publicized. Maybe you would say, hey, I'm afraid of rejection. Oh, what you're really saying is, is I want to be accepted. I want to be approved of. I want to belong. And you're so afraid that if people knew the real you, if they knew the good, the bad, and the ugly, especially the ugly, if they knew what you had done or what you hadn't done or how you feel or what you think about any of those things that make us all feel self-conscious, then they would reject you. See, it's true for all of us. We're all there. We, we thought those things. We felt those things. We want to know and be known. We want to be authentic and genuine people. We want to be transparent and disclose everything. But if, if others knew the truth, how would they feel about me? If, if others knew the truth, maybe they wouldn't like me. Maybe they wouldn't love me. Maybe they wouldn't want to be my friend. We've been there. We've been there. I know some of you might be like, hey, I'm, I'm totally confident. I, there's, you know, there's always doubters in the room. There's always doubters. So let's just take a quick poll, okay? We're going to take a quick poll. Picture this scenario, okay? You're going on a date. You're going on a date. Now, if you've been married for any length of time, uh, I, I need you to, to picture this like before you were married, okay? Before you were married, you're going to picture this. You're going on a date. Some of you are like, gosh, that was like umpteen years ago and like three kids and I can't remember what happened yesterday and stuff. Okay, going to need you to just picture this with me, all right? Just, just all right, you're, you're going to, it's just an exercise. Maybe, maybe you don't want to think about like that, put it in a different context. Maybe it's like a, a job interview, okay? The rest of us, we're going on a date, okay? We're going on a date. Y'all look lovely, by the way. Um, so, so you're like, like I'm single, okay? I'm single, uh, and, and this guy or gal here is single. I mean, we may be compatible. I don't know where this thing's going to lead. I know I want to get to know them. I mean, who knows? Maybe this will end in some sort of covenantal relationship. My question is this. At which date is it appropriate to disclose that you have a huge flatulence problem? Okay? All right, raise your hand if you think first date. That's a first date. That's, we're going to, nope, no hands. Okay, second date, definitely second date. Date two, date three. Date three? Okay, we got one. We got one. All right, fifth date? Tenth date? Some of you are like, never. It is never okay to talk about it, and it's certainly not okay to talk about it on the Lord's Day. <laughs> um, I mean, talk about being known. Talk about being known. I mean, if certain things have been disclosed during the dating relationship, then I think many a wife would certainly have had a moment of pause before saying yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe dating would be easier if people just like wore like little signs around their neck. Wore little signs around their neck that, that tells you that thing that they're not talking about or that thing that you hope never comes up. Like, hey, when I snore, the whole house shakes. Or like, or like uh, hey, I can't cook worth a lick. 
Um, maybe I'm, I'm terrible with money. I have anger issues. I keep my hair and nail clippings in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> so, so, Doc, uh, that's when my fear of being known started. I didn't know I had it until church and the sermon, and then things happened, and now I have this fear. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. We fear being known, really known. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible right there, uh, the very first one, Genesis, and we're going to go to chapter 3. If you have a smartphone, you can find all of the scripture and the notes from today in the YouVersion Bible app. Just look for Highland Hills Church in the events section. So we're going to Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 6 today. Please follow along as I read the word of God aloud. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I command you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. We know this scene as the fall. Eve has been conversing with the serpent, and we have a front row seat right there to watch the whole thing play out. It's almost as if it's happening in slow motion. She looks at the tree. She looks back to the serpent. She looks at the tree. She looks at Adam. She looks back to the tree. She goes for it. You see the wheels turning. The thought process is working. She eats it, and she gives some to Adam, and he eats it. Immediately, everything is changed. Everything is different. It's all different now. We know that sin has entered the world and every inch of the universe is affected. We know that sin has affected everything and that all of eternity will never be the same. But look, look at what they do. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, prior to this, they had been naked and they felt no shame. They were naked the whole time and they felt no shame. Now they see their nakedness. They feel the eyes of one another upon their naked bodies and they got all the feels. They've never felt this way before and they are embarrassed. And so they're like, quick, let's hide. Quick, let's, let's, uh, let's throw on some leaves. Let's cover up. Let me hide myself from you, oh helpmate, oh lover of my life. They have resorted to sowing leaves. 
I mean, I can't even imagine. They feel vulnerable. They feel exposed. I mean, I'm not one who sews, but I mean, can you imagine trying to sew together some leaves? Leaves. I mean, I can't even imagine how many leaves can we find. There aren't enough in the garden. But this tells us just how brutal this is, what dire circumstances they are in, how very afraid, how very embarrassed, how very ashamed they feel. Verse 8 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. first one, they, they hide themselves. The second one, they hide from God. This is hiding number two. First, they hide from each other. Second, they hide from God. And, and first, they felt vulnerable. Now, they just feel downright ashamed. They feel guilty. And so, they hide from God. This is the same God that used to walk and talk with them in the garden. God comes along in the cool of the day like they always did. They loved God and God loved them. They would go on these long strolls together and God shows up and things are not how they always were. Adam and Eve, they're hiding from God for the very first time. Doesn't your heart just break? For the first time, there is distance between them and God. For the first time, there is division between them and God. There's separation between them and God. This is the first time that they haven't been excited to see each other. This is the first time that they weren't looking forward to seeing God. They certainly didn't want him to see them, and so they hid themselves. God already knows what happened. I mean, he, he knows what's going on. It's his garden. Adam and Eve are his creation. God calls to Adam, where are you? I mean, have any of y'all ever played hide and seek with a child before, maybe a toddler or something like that? I mean, you're looking for them and you see this, this little lump behind the curtains, right? You see the feet sticking out from the bottom. You're like, I don't know. Maybe you're behind the couch. Oh, oh you're over here. No, I mean, like, where are you? Like, God, God is saying, where are you? And he knows exactly where they are. I mean, it, God knows exactly where they are, and he asked the question for Adam's sake. It's not God who moved. It's Adam who moved, and he wants Adam to know that. Adam's the one who changed. I imagine Adam's first response came from behind a tree. God beckons him to come out, and here comes Adam, looking as ridiculous as ever, with his leaves and all the things. I mean, this isn't Project Runway here. This dude has fashioned leaves hastily. I cannot imagine that in any sense of the word we would call this adequate. And Adam says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He was afraid of God. He was afraid of his nakedness, and so he hid. And then comes the ultimate hide. God asks if he ate from the tree that he was commanded not to eat from, 
God says, did you do it? And his response, that woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Maybe if I pass it off on the woman, maybe, maybe if the woman passes it off on the serpent, maybe if we just hide, maybe if we just spin the truth just a little bit, it's not my fault. Well, let's pass the buck. Let's deflect and reflect the effects of this sin. We hide from the truth about what we did. Since sin entered the world, we have feared being known. We have feared being known. We don't want to be found out. We don't want to look weak. Maybe others will see that I'm not really as good as I think I am. What if they see that I don't have my life in order, that I don't have it all together? What if they think less of me? Maybe they will reject me completely. Worse yet, what if God rejects me? We hide in hope that God can't see us. We are hopeful that he missed it somehow, that we slipped one past him. I mean, maybe God, maybe God will, 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 he was not going to see our sin, but but what if he did? What then? What's he going to do to me? There are a few things we need to see today, and the first one is this. Like it or not, we are known. Like it or not, we're known. Listen to the words of Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. There's something powerful about those words, I know you. It's powerful. God knows us. He knows all about us. We are made in his image. We were made to want the things that he wants, made to love the things that he loves. We were made to be in relationship with him. We have this innate desire to be known. We have this innate desire to want to be in relationship. But once sin enters the world, we begin to hide. We hide from each other, and we hide from God. We're afraid. Now, I know God forgave me the last time, and the time before that, and the time before that, and the time before that, but what if his forgiveness runs out? There's fear, and there's shame to being known, because I don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I'm a total mess, and God knows that. He sees all my terrible thoughts. He knows that my motives aren't always good. He knows that my intentions are not always pure. He sees my actions and hears my words. And that makes me cringe. Sure, there's fear of being known because even I don't like everything I know about myself. King David wrote Psalm 51 after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he murdered Uriah, her husband, to hide the evidence. He was confronted by the prophet Nathan, and here's what he says. He says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight." 
So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And then he goes on in verse 9. He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. I know you know, God. I know you saw it. Just, just hide your face. Look away. I'm begging you, God. Make it go away. Just, just blot it out. We're known by God. He knows it all. And that makes us uncomfortable. Maybe it has nothing to do with sin at all. It's a risk to be known by God. Maybe he'll call me to do something difficult That's a risk certainly some might not be willing to take. What if he entrusts me with a disease and a testimony? I'd rather hide from God. Maybe he'll call me to leave these United States and go to a country that I've never heard of. What if I'm going to experience persecution or martyrdom? And and now we know why people run from the Lord. The fact is, is that there isn't anywhere to run There aren't any hiding places, and there certainly aren't enough leaves. God knows us. This should be a comfort. We so desperately want to be known. We want to live lives of purpose and significance. We live in a world that is starving to be known, and yet the creator of the universe says to you, I know you. You matter. Because we are known, it's for our own good that we are called to know and be known. We're called to know and be known. See, God sees us hiding. He's like, come out. Come here. Come out into the light. It's better here. He calls us out of hiding. He calls us into relationship. He calls us into relationship with himself. He's like, come, follow me. Follow me. Be with me. We aren't just called to some sort of knowledge of God. We are called to know God. Hebrews 4 tells us that we can approach God's throne with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God knows you and he knows what you need. And so he calls us out of this isolation. He calls us to community. He calls us to be with one another. He says, I know you. This is what's best for you. It's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to put people alongside you who will encourage you and lift you up. He knows that we're afraid, and yet he asks us to do it anyways. He knows that we're afraid. He's like, hey, just trust me on this. Respond in faith. I mean, our fears can get pretty loud when we're in hiding, right? They say, don't go out there. They can't be trusted. Maybe they say, you got hurt once. You're going to get hurt again. You get defensive. You're like, I'm going to stay here in my safe place. It's too risky. They might see me and know me. Well, that's kind of the point. It is difficult for people to encourage you when they don't know you. It's difficult for others to lift you up when you're not around. As Pastor Craig Rochelle says, it is scary to risk. It is even scarier to go through life without the spiritual and intimate connection with God's people that he wants us to have. We have a great tendency to believe the truth or to believe a lie over the truth. God is calling us to have faith, to respond in faith, and to be in relationship with others. And fear is just over here and is lying to us. You can't do that. 
You need to clean up your act first. You won't be accepted. You won't be loved. Be sure not to open up. They'll betray you. You're not good enough. Well, let me just speak some hard truth into that today. You're not what you have done. You are not what you have done. We have a tendency to get on social media and see all the pictures of all the stuff. Everyone's out there living their best life. And when we compare it to our everyday lives, our lives don't seem that good. It just doesn't match up. I mean, sometimes it's not even close. But Facebook and Instagram, they're not always real. I mean, sometimes people are taking multiple pictures and trying to get the right angles, and they're using all the filters and showing only the good. Rarely do people get on social media and send out the bad. And to make matters worse, we have this tendency that when we we think of ourselves not as the best version of ourselves, we think of ourselves as the worst version of ourselves. When the storms come and the fears rise, we go to that dark place. We suddenly remember everything that's gone wrong. Everything isn't as it should be. We have a warped view of reality. We think of ourselves as the worst thing we've ever done. It's never the best thing. We never go there. We're like, hey, maybe I am this way. Maybe I don't deserve love. Maybe I am the one, I'm the only one in the world who feels this way. I am a screw-up. I don't have my act together. I'm irresponsible. I'm unreliable. I'm, you fill in the blank. But we are not what we have done. You're not what you have done. You're not that failed business venture. You're not that divorce. You're not that kid that wasn't invited to the party. You're not unemployable. You are defined by God. He made you. He knows you inside and out, and he's the only one who truly sees you for you. He's the only one who truly knows you fully. And so what does he say? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You are defined by God. He's the one who knows you best. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, then appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, when God looks at you, he sees Christ because your life is hidden with Christ. Christ always has his act together. He's always at his best. He, he's always on fleek. I don't know, just trying it out for size. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but we get all the benefits. We get all the benefits that Christ gets because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You are not what you have done. Christ died for that. You have a new identity. That lie that you believe about yourself, that's not who you are. Until we make what God says about us more important than what anybody else says about us or what we say about ourselves, then we will continue to live in fear. 
Let me say that one more time. Until we make what God says about us more important than what other people or what we say about ourselves, and when we're in that dark place, you know, uh, until we make that more important, then we will continue to live fearful lives. We very well may be rejected. We will experience rejection disapproval, disappointment at the hands of other people. And God says, I know you and I love you. Believe that in faith. You are fully known and fully loved. We are fully known and fully loved. Our sin was great. Our sin was great. We don't minimize sin. My sin sent Jesus to the cross. I contribute nothing to my salvation other than the circumstances that made it necessary. Jesus had to die because my sin was so great. Jesus died to pay your penalty and mine. Because we needed to be rescued, Jesus says, I'll do it. I'll do it. And in that moment, he told us everything we ever needed to know about ourselves. In that moment, that in spite of our sin, we are loved. In spite of what I have done, I am loved. Regardless of what you have done, you are loved, fully loved. Our God withheld nothing from us and was obedient to death on a cross. Our sin, our sin against God was not hidden. And yet he went to the cross anyways. He knew full well just how rebellious you and I are. He knew. We had sinned first and foremost against him. And yet he went to the cross he went to the cross for you and me to demonstrate to us and to the whole world. It was a public display. This wasn't a private thing between us and God. This was for, for everybody. It wasn't some private experience behind closed doors where he secretly spoke to our hearts or he, he, he personally conveyed his sentiments to us. No, no, no. He made this a show, a demonstration, a spectacle. Death was made a spectacle of. He wanted everyone to see. He loved us. Forget about Jesus loves me, this I know. How about Jesus loves me, everybody knows. That's what the cross shows us. Some people are like, man, that whole cross thing is weird. This Roman tool for capital punishment. Can't we just have a different symbol? What about a heart? A heart would convey love. How about that? No way. No way. That moment on the cross was the biggest display of love the world has ever seen. The world will never know of a greater love than that of a God coming after them. After all they had done, all the mean, nasty, terrible things, the no good, very bad things that we had done, that our God would come after us knowing all of that. 
and come after us, not to obliterate us, not to eliminate us, not to shackle us with guilt or shame or embarrassment or turn us into indentured servants made to work for eternity to pay off an unforgivable debt. No, our God came after us to save us. While we were sinners, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. When we were still a long ways off, and in some cases still running away from him, he pursues us and he runs to us. If you have sinned, if you're sitting there today and say, my sin is great, then you're in the right place because you're just like the rest of us. And the good news is that Jesus saves sinners. Christ rescues sinners. This is only available to sinners like you and me. If you haven't sinned, then you can't be saved. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but not all is going to admit that. Not everyone will be willing to confess that they themselves have offended a holy God, that they themselves have sinned and fallen short of the God who made them, who loves them, who wants a relationship with them. Not everyone will say that they missed the mark and they've fallen short of God's standard. But friends, for those that will, for those that will admit that, how quickly God will rescue you how quickly God will come after you. Our God loves to save. His eyes are fully open. He sees everything. He knows everything. He's fully woke. He knows all there is to know, and he loves you as much as he ever has because we are fully known and fully loved. That is good news for all who hear it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this message. God, we thank you that you love us, that you know us, and that you love us. God, we, we understand that sometimes we do minimize our sin. Sometimes we do say, well, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do that. But God, you know we did. You know we are. And you love us all the more. God, we know that sometimes, sometimes we take for granted this gift, this gift of eternal life, the gift of your love and your grace and your mercy. God, help us not to go another minute further. Help us not to go an hour without you, without your presence, without your love, your hope, your life. God, in you, we live. So God, I pray for those today who, who are unfamiliar with this message or are hearing this for the first time. Holy Spirit, you have opened up eyes and ears to hear this message today. And so God, I pray that we wouldn't put it off any longer. We wouldn't go another minute without connecting with you, without surrendering to you, without relinquishing control to you, without putting our faith and trust in you. God, our fears are great, but you, God, are greater. 
help us to believe the truth that we are known and we are loved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we respond. They're going to lead us in a song. The altar is open for prayer. I would encourage you to respond to God all over the place. However the Lord leads you, let's respond together. I'll be down front if you want to talk. Let's respond together. Please stand as we sing.